it doesn't matter whether you're doing better or worse than your competitor down the road in terms of client inquiries and client acquisition. What matters is whether you've achieved the goal you need to achieve to get the business results you need to achieve to live the life you want to live. You're listening to the Catching Clients podcast, where the smartest minds from the world of professional services and marketing come and share the strategies that they use to consistently attract and catch their ideal big fish clients so you can learn to do the same. So grab your gear and join me, Adam King, the captain at Think Like a Fish and creator of the client catching ecosystem, and let's go fishing. Hello, and welcome to the Client Catching Podcast. Today's guest is someone who clearly loves a challenge because he doesn't just run one business, but he runs two. So coming on to the Client Catching Podcast should be no trouble for my guest today, Martin Bamford. Martin is a chartered financial planner, fellow of the Personal Finance Society and experienced financial services marketer. He's managing director of Informed Choice, an award-winning firm of financial planners in Surrey and Hampshire, and he's founder of Bamford Media, a creative agency for financial planners, business coaches, and membership bodies, where he takes what's working for marketing his business and helps others do the same. Martin is a big proponent that you need to be creating fresh quality content on a regular basis and sharing it across a range of social media platforms to keep you front of mind with your ideal clients, build trust and ensure that they call you first when they need your services. And by practicing what he preaches, Martin's received multiple awards for his work, including Best Blogger of the Year and Best Social Media Advisor. And not to mention those two flying businesses that he has as well. So I'm really looking forward to diving in and finding out how he manages to both find the time to produce such great content, but also how it helps him and those he works with in his agency attract and catch more clients. So Martin, welcome to the Client Catching Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Adam. Yeah, so Martin, you're a glutton for punishment, two businesses. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure how that came about. I know how that came about. I've, I've been a financial planner for almost my entire career. So I left university uh, at the start of Millennium 2000 and uh, spent a couple of years working for big insurance companies and sales roles. And then in 2002, joined the family business. And I guess it was inevitable. Yeah, my mum and dad are financial planners. I was going to at some point move across into their world. And within a few years, became a director of that business. And I've been there ever since. And it's grown significantly during that time. We're now 15 people strong, two offices, one in Surrey, one in Hampshire. And um, yeah, it's, it, it's always been, uh, been my main career. But within that financial planning practice, my responsibility has always been about marketing and promotion and, and you know, engaging with and finding the right clients. And that's the bit I've become passionate about, whether it's speaking to journalists or writing content for our blog, trying out different new social media channels, podcasting, you know, all these different things I do. It's the bit I really loved. And over time, we were realizing that other financial planners and other bodies that we worked with were asking, uh, looking at what we did at Informed Choice and saying, well, that looks great and it's obviously working. Can you do it for us? And we didn't really have an outlet for doing that until two years ago when we decided, look, it was time to start a second business, Bamford Media. And that's our, our creative agency working and doing all the things we do at Informed Choice, but for other people. Okay. So what is it about then that the marketing of the business that, that, that really sort of drew you in and, and got you so interested in ultimately starting a, an entire new business? Um, I think there's something about it being a creative outlet. So um, 
whilst I'm not a traditionally very creative person, I'm, I'm rubbish when it comes to being a musical. Um, I can't paint for toffee. Um, I do enjoy some creative outlets like photography, etc. I can't sing, you know, there's, there's things that about my life I am creative in, but in the main, I'm not a creative person, but marketing is such a creative outlet for me, whether it's writing, recording podcasts, yeah, creating visuals, etc. Any any marketing campaigns we drive. And I get a great deal of satisfaction from that creative outlet and also seeing the results it gets so the ability to you know, start from scratch with a blank piece of paper and that very quickly becomes a real life client paying significant fees. You know, that, that journey from blank piece of paper to inquire, acquired client is, is for me very satisfactory. Yeah, because there is a, there's a not real art to marketing a business and there's a creative side. But I think also what with your skill set that you have and it complements is that it's also a science. It's also about numbers. It's about being able to monitor and measure performance. So how has, how has that combination helped you first with marketing the financial services business, but also then helping other clients do the same? I think I'm probably the least numerate financial planner you'll ever meet. I, I rely heavily on calculators and spreadsheets and technology and things. Um, I don't do maths in my head. You know, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a numbers person in that respect. So traditionally, I'm not. I'm not a numerate financial planner, but I have a lot of lot of people that help with that side of things. Um, I think it's the love of technology which has helped as well. Um, so I'm always willing to you know learn and break things to find out how they work, whether that's websites or you know, trying to write code for things, learn new software packages, learn new social media channels. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I think you're right. It's that blend of art and science, which is, is very similar to financial planning. You know, financial planning is a blend of art and science. And I think marketing has a lot of similar attributes. What's your creative process for coming up with ideas for an industry that has a sort of reputation for being a little bit bland. It is, isn't it? Um, I, I, I do take the view and I believe that money is, money is quite boring. It's quite dull. It's what you can do with the money that's quite exciting, very exciting, very interesting. So I think marketing financial services is about taking it away from the drive, the technical because there's an awful lot of technical stuff in there. And I could talk to you for hours about pension annual allowances and calculating different taxes and things like that. There is that technical bit. And I think when people look to financial services, they assume a level of technical knowledge. You know, they can look at the letters after the name of their financial planner. They can look at the fact they're chartered or a fellow and know they've got that technical grounding, which is great. And it's a hygiene factor. It's the what you can do with that that's really exciting. And, And the financial planning profession, actually in recent years, has made a real shift away from products and technical stuff to lifestyle type planning behavioral coaching yeah the what you can do with your money how you can live the best possible life because you've got the money in place to support that lifestyle so i think the creative process um, for marketing financial services comes back to not explaining ISA allowances or how much you can afford to borrow of your mortgage that sort of thing but explaining the bigger picture stuff the you know how you can afford to retire how you can spend your time in later life how you can make sure you make the most out of your life today without deferring gratification too much for the future but striking that right balance so I always look to those ideas and you know inspiration wise it's everywhere you, know, you only have to switch the radio on when you have breakfast in the morning I listen to um, BBC Radio for today's show in the morning over breakfast and typically a typical morning there are two or three big news stories which we can create content around we can write blog posts about we can produce podcast episodes we can speak to journalists about we can create social media quote cards so we never ever run out of ideas and then if we do all we have to do is listen to our clients for a few minutes and they'll tell us about what they're concerned about what their big questions are what's interesting them at the moment yeah because i think that's that's a common 
fear that a lot of people have uh, when it comes to marketing. It's, well, I don't know what to create or I've got to come up with you know, endless amounts of content. And, you know, you've, you've sort of alluded to ideas there of how you can, A, come up with ideas. But how do you sort of work with people or, or suggest that people can go about creating the kind of, you know, the amount of content that they need to or the type or quality of content that is going to be effective in, in drawing people to them? I think there's two things there. It's, it's quality and quantity. And um, from a quantity perspective, we live now in an incredibly, incredibly noisy world. Um, you only have to look at, if you have your Twitter feed open, if you follow a, a relatively small number of people, the number of tweets that sort of scroll down the page. So everything we do is competing for attention. And I think our attention span is increasingly very limited. So it's, it's trying to find the right way to produce enough content so we're constantly visible and we're head and shoulders above the competition when it comes to visibility, but making sure that content is appealing as well. So the quality side of it. Um, I don't think this is about reinventing the world. I don't think you need to be especially clever to do this. I think as long as you're listening to what your genuine client concerns are and you're answering the sorts of questions they're asking and you're topical and you're consistent in your messages, then I think you've got the foundation for you know, quality content. Um, obviously, uh, yeah, the creative side comes into it, making sure you've got appropriate images and you know, your branding's all up to date, etc. And then it's just a case of having processes so that you can produce sufficient quantity of that content. Um, so for me, that's having templates in place, that's having um, you know, quote cards already set up so we can drop words into it and publish it quickly, that's having uh, automation tools like Hootsuite so we're not having to go to multiple platforms to share the same pieces of content elsewhere so it's it's about process but it's a, I think it's a mindset thing as well it's about realizing you do have to be prolific these days in order for anyone to pay attention to you you either have to be prolific or you have to be incredibly clever and do something that's so different to the rest of the crowd that it stands head and shoulders if you can do both great but actually i'd always rather be prolific than having to be incredibly clever because you know, i've got average intelligence and i'd make the most of what i've got yeah it's the, it's the sort of the extreme example of that is is um gary vanderchuk isn't it and yeah. you could argue that he is the combination of the two but he's just constantly out there and it's almost like he doesn't necessarily care what individual piece of content or messaging is whether or not it's actually going to resonate or, or anything, but it's, 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 it's a relentless, it, it's consistency. And do you find that when it comes to creating the content and the marketing that, that people really struggle with that consistency and how, do, how would somebody overcome that? Yeah, I, I think I think you're right there. And, and the Gary Vaynerchuk example is great as well. Interestingly, Gary, I think only has about five or six messages, but he constantly repeats them. And he's just putting out different forms of content the whole time. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I see a lot of not just financial planners, but people in all sectors fall down with their marketing because of lack of consistency. And either they expect results far too quickly. So they think I'm going to do this for a couple of weeks and the clients are going to come knocking my door down, which doesn't happen. Or they lose interest after a few months and they move on to the next shiny thing. Consistency is so key with this. We found this with our podcast. Yeah, year one of our podcast, no real result. Year two, a little bit of interest. Year three, starting to get inquiries. Year four, it, it takes time to do these things and have this consistent message. I think you have to present that message in slightly different ways each time because otherwise it becomes very dull and repetitive. But the consistency and, and people realizing you're reliable and you know what you stand for 
and you're saying the same broad message today that you were five years ago or 10 years ago, there's a huge amount of value in that because there are so many fly-by-night almost charlatans out there that just arrive on the scene, they start with their message and you know they'll be gone in three months or six months time and they'll be on to the next thing. Um, you know, Bitcoin was a great example of that. All these people popping up and trying to sell Bitcoin schemes. What were they doing before and what are they doing now? Because trust me, they're not still doing that. Um, and that was a great example of this lack of consistency and people just getting, getting distracted by the next thing all the time. And I think that is, a, that is a struggle a lot face because, first of all, a lot of the people that are teaching marketing are marketers and they're actually very good at it. So, you know, they're going to say that their thing is the next big thing and that it's going to, you know, it's going to have an impact instantly and all the rest of it. And maybe two or three times out of 100, that's the case. Nobody wants to sell the story that actually you're growing a real business and to grow a real business, you have to show up every day, ready to serve, ready to give 100%. And the only way you can really do that and actually show your potential market that you're here to stay is by being consistent. So I really like that idea around what you touched on there that you've, you've noticed that um, Gary Vanderchuk has sort of four to five core messages. Is that something that you've noticed and then implemented with clients of the agency or, or for yourself that you, you create the amount of content you do based on core pillars of what you stand for yeah i I think that's critical to it so um informed choice my my main business my financial planning business started in 1994 so we celebrate our 25th anniversary this year and up until 2014 we didn't really have a plan i think like most family businesses we'd we'd go day to day week to week month to month always been profitable always been very successful we've picked up awards you know we've worked with some fantastic clients many of them since day one it's a great business but we didn't have that plan around what are we talking about why are we talking about it so we worked with a third party we worked with a branding consultant we created this sort of branding pyramid. You know, what are our values? What do we stand for? What are the tangible and intangible benefits of working with a firm like ours? And then all of the content we created from that day onwards, all of the marketing activity, all of the campaigns, all of the sponsorships, everything we did would relate back to those intangible and tangible benefits. You know, why you should work with a company like ours. It was things like we deliver peace of mind. Every message, or more more or less every message we put out there now from Informed Choice, is about how we deliver peace of mind. And you home in on that, and you bang away at it enough times for a period of years. And again, I don't want to channel channel Gary Vaynerchuk here, but patience. Yeah, patience is the skill here. You keep going at this for years and years and years, and you win over the clients you want to be working with on that basis because you're still saying the same thing, maybe with a different spin on it, but you're still saying that five years later. And that gives them so much reassurance and so much assurance that you're in this for the long term. You're in it for their best interest, not your best interest. And I think that's what it's all about. Yeah, there's, there's almost a sense of irony in that as well, in that the fact that you are saying the same things again and again and again, but in a slightly different way, maybe, it, it becomes more about the action rather than the words. It, mm-hmm. you know, so you're, you're not just sort of saying you can do something. You're actually showing it. You're actually showing up and you are being consistent over time. And that's from a from a uh, you know, from a psychological perspective that's reassuring and it feels safe and that's why I, I i really like that sort of idea around having core pillars of what you then talk about and yeah. always bringing it back to that so i think if anyone listening is is sort of wondering you know even where to start with their content that is one thing that they can do today they can sit down and they can go right what do we stand for what are the main things that we help people 
with and the problems that we solve and how can we just sort of bring it back to these four or five key pillars. So I think that's a great tip to leave it before we have a break. And then when we come back, I'm going to, I'm going to pick your brains for some more, um, you know, practical tips that somebody could sort of take and use when coming up and creating content to market their business. Hey, this is Adam and I just want to say thanks for listening and I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Client Catching Podcast. Now, as the entire goal of this is to help you learn how to attract and catch more clients, I've put together a page as a special thank you for being a listener to the show. On this page, you're going to find a ton of resources from some of my best trainings that I've put out there. Uh, You'll be able to get a copy of my book, How to Employ a Half a Million Pound a Year Marketing Department Without Hiring a Single Full-Time Member of Staff. You'll be able to see how to join the Catching Clients Facebook community, and you'll also be able to register onto my masterclass, Less Selling, More Clients. Now, on this masterclass, you will learn how to build your very own client catching ecosystem. And that's an ecosystem that removes you from up to 90% of your marketing and sales process, instantly boosts your authority, while at the same time increases the quality of leads, appointments, and clients that you attract and catch. And that's all without spending a penny on advertising and we're adding more hours to your week. So if you want to go and see what's on that page, you can go to www.thinklikeafish.co.uk slash podcast gift. So thanks again for listening. And now let's get back to the show. Martin, we just got one killer tip there from you. I'm going to ask you for a couple more. So when it comes to planning content, do you have something like a calendar that you follow or you know, do you do you write one piece for um, a particular medium and then repurpose how do you how do you help people create that content and distribute um, I think I think on top of having those brand values and that, that sort of pillar of content to refer back to for consistency I'm quite attracted to um, being topical so I, I think uh, it's quite appealing to the reader of content the listener for content the watcher of content to, to have topical hook in there um there's a danger i think if you plan ahead with an editorial calendar that what you actually push out in two weeks time three months time is quite stale uh, and also quite generic um and there is a place for that sort of content as well but actually making it topical i mentioned earlier yeah, listening to radio four over breakfast hearing what's the the topic of the day is the big news story of the day is and then weaving your message into that topic i think is quite mm. attractive you mentioned repurposing there and i think from a point of view of being prolific with your content output repurposing is absolutely essential you know i now on our main website form choice website have i think over three and a half thousand blog posts so if i ever get stuck for content i just go back through the archives look at my google analytics see what performs well what people are searching for and i can repurpose any of that um recently i've started whenever i write a blog post i record some uh, an audio version of parts of that blog and then create these audiograms, which are fantastic little sort of social media cards with moving wave images and, and transcription words on there. And it's, again, it's a process, but it's, it's a quick job, five minutes maybe to make one. And it's just a case of repurposing what you've already done, not trying to reinvent the wheel every time and come up with something completely fresh and new. Because at the end of the day, if yeah, you write a blog post, maybe half a percent of your target audience have read that blog post if you're lucky. 
So it's finding ways to present that content, the same content to a slightly different audience and a slightly different format. And we've all got different preferences for how we consume content as well. You know, some people love to read it. Some people love to sit there and watch YouTube videos. Some people like to listen to the podcast when they're walking the dog or at the gym or whatever it is. So I think having to cater and the ability to cater for different preferences, consumption preferences is really important too. Absolutely, because sometimes we can get something new and different just from it being delivered in a different media. Yeah. And maybe the, the point that you're making doesn't come across in the written word, but it comes across really well on video, for example. And a lot of the times, yeah, it's repurposing is as simple as recording a video, extracting the audio, extracting you know, the, the transcript and, and having it edited. And, and it doesn't become as complicated maybe as, as, as people would think. Now, you're in a unique position, and it's, I'm going to be interested to hear what you say about this, because there is uh, obviously... Uh, a, a concern with people when it comes to um, having to do all of this themselves, but they also have a concern about hiring externally because, mm. well, how do I know that they're going to do what they say they're going to do? And how do I know that it's something that um, is going to actually provide an ROI or, you know, be valuable to my business. So having been on both sides as the business owner and also the agency that helps people do this, have you have what, what do you think around doing it yourself or getting help yeah it's a good question i i think um I've, I've clearly always done it myself and and i think that's that's a number of reasons you know i love learning new stuff i get a lot of enjoyment out of the creation side of things i, I mentioned um i love the challenge of of learning new skills and, and trying to work out you know how to design a magazine in adobe InDesign or you know how to code a website in wordpress anything like that it's a challenge i'll find a video on youtube i'll watch a tutorial i'll break things i'll you know i'll learn how to do it but i recognize that people don't typically have the time or the inclination to do that for themselves or they realize that someone else with experience can do it to a much higher standard so there's definitely a role for outsourcing things but i think regardless of whether you do it in-house or outsource you have to be really clear about what you're trying to achieve and it's lack of lack of clarity around strategy, I think, you know, really derails a lot of people when they're outsourcing to an agency. So the, one of the questions I'll always ask a new agency client is, what's the goal here? What are we trying to achieve? Because they'll often come to me and say, I'd like you to produce a podcast for us. And you've always got to go back a step and say, why? What's, what's the tangible result we're going to get from producing this podcast? How do we measure what good looks like? And I think this is what I've learned from the financial planning world as well, which is unless you start with the end in mind, it's very difficult to measure success. You know, the last thing I'd want my financial planning clients to do would be to try and measure our success based on whether their investment portfolio has gone up 5% that year or 10% that year. All that matters from a financial planning perspective is whether or not their financial plan is on track to realize their goals in retirement, for example. So the lifestyle they want to lead, it's the same with marketing. It doesn't matter whether you're doing better or worse than your competitor down the road in terms of client inquiries and client acquisition. What matters is whether you've achieved the goal you need to achieve to get the business results you need to achieve to live the life you want to live. And I think so many, so many, so many people miss out that, that whole foundational step of the process and leap straight into tactics and, well, look, let's do this new shiny thing. Let's produce this podcast. Let's start a blog. Let's publish a magazine. Let's launch a new website. So going back a step first and saying, what are we actually trying to achieve here? What does good look like? How do we measure success? And, and what does strategy mean to you? 
how would you define it or how would you explain it to someone? Because I think it gets it gets muddled with strategy and tactic and all the rest of yeah, it. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? I mean, I, I did, uh, I studied for a business degree at university. So I did business administration, which is sort of the uh, the BA version of the MBA. And we did strategy within that. I, I don't like in the real world, in the business environment, the theoretical side of strategy. And I think we, we hear too much of that. And it's it's not practical. It's very hard to apply. Um, you know, we don't want to hear about, you know, what, what sort of Boston, Boston consulting school talks about and matrices and all that sort of stuff. That's, that's not real business. It's not real strategy. I think strategy is simple. I think it's, you know, what are you trying to get out of this? Where do you want to be in, you know, two, three, four years time? Um, probably no longer than that, actually, because the world is changing so much all the time that you set a strategy for five or 10 years and you're never, ever going to see the results from that. So no strategy for me is simple. It's, it's where are we today? Where do we want to get to? And then tactics is about how you make that journey between the two. Yeah. And, you know, let's say that um, someone is sitting there and going, okay, that makes sense. If they're then considering the tactics and they don't know which to start, is, is, is that when you would suggest that they go and talk to somebody, um, you know, like your agency or, or, or they go and get some help from, an, from a business coach or someone like that to say, right, I understand now, I can see where you want to go. I would suggest doing these sort of things to get there. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. And we've, we've had a number of inquiries to this agency that I have referred on to other people who I think are far better placed than me to coach them through that process, to ask the really difficult questions. Very often, I think business owners have got all the answers. They just haven't ever asked themselves the right questions. So having a third party come in who can be slightly impartial, who can, who can coach them through that, who can ask the difficult questions, who can you know, get past the emotional side of this and form us help them form a strategy help them take probably what's quite a, a muddled series of ideas and give them some clarity around them i think it's really powerful when you've got all that in place then i love to have a chat with people about the the exciting shiny stuff you know the you know how do we launch your audio podcast how do we build your new website you know uh, what blog content should we be writing about the sort of the tactical the actual doing is, is where i love you know getting involved on a day-to-day basis but you have to have that strategy in place first yeah and I think it's one of the things that, yeah, it's, it's almost the, the, the dull bit that people don't necessarily want to do because it's not as exciting as going in and doing Facebook ads or, mm. you know, the social media and all the rest of it. But actually that's where, that's where the money's made. That's where the results come from. It's from that foundation and starting from that foundation and then using a resource like an agency or getting help from uh, even if it's if it's bringing somebody in house even if you bring someone in house you have to be able to tell them what you're wanting to achieve for the sanity of your staff if you're hiring for the you know for the mm. uh, you know for, for the for the sake of your results as they you know will come in the future doing that piece at the beginning is is vital so when it comes to sort of thinking about the challenges that are faced by specifically the financial service because i'm quite interested in it because it's a regulated environment you know you've got all these sorts of things going on are there any specific challenges that that face that industry faces in compare you know in comparison to you know say different types of service providers and and how can the content be used to overcome some of that yeah i mean you mentioned the big one there which is regulation so the financial services sector is heavily regulated in the uk and there's a very strict series of rules around financial promotions what you can and you can't say um so i i think one of the reasons that 
our clients have come to us rather than a more you know, another agency that deals with lots of different sectors is that that deep understanding of regulation of the technical stuff behind it you know we're creating concept um we're, we're able to write that for them whereas if they work with other agencies very often it's their input which is then getting sort of repurposed so it is a different relationship i think the big big issue that financial services has to overcome or two really one is one is trust there is a huge trust gap um, between consumers and financial services providers. Interestingly, it doesn't happen for consumers' clients who have a financial advisor already. They, they love and they trust their existing financial advisors. It's the ones that don't have a financial advisor. They view all financial advisors as sharks, as crooks, etc. So bridging that trust gap, I think, you know, has, marketing has a really important role to play there, particularly content marketing, podcasting in particular. As a way to bridge that trust gap because for the people that listen to our podcast they get to hear me in their ears you know twice a week half an hour a time and for a long time so back to that consistency message they get to know like and trust hopefully like and trust me because i'm around you know, i'm talking to them on a one-to-one basis it's very personal it's very intimate um bridging that trust gap i think is something that content marketing can do so trust is is one big issue there and the other second big issue in financial services which i touched on earlier is how dull it is how incredibly dull it is talking about pensions the first time i went on live radio is back in the sort of the the mid-2000s um just before we went on air the presenter said to me okay we're, we're talking about pensions today but please whatever you do don't say the word pension because it's just going to turn the listeners off straight away and that that really sunk in for me and i've uh, stuck with me the whole time you know if you're going to talk about financial services issues try to make them slightly more interesting and think about what what actually that means for the individual um they don't care about pensions and tax rates and allowances and stuff they care about what the money can do for them as i said earlier so it's finding the right angle and i think that applies to all sectors not just financial services you know what actually turns the consumer of the content on and it's probably not the thing that you're you're sort of really close to on a day-to-day basis because you get too close to it and you 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 don't realize actually that that's interesting to you because it's your job. It's not interesting to your clients because it's not their job. They come to you because that's what you do for them. Yeah. Talk about what happens as a result mm. rather than the actual thing that you offer. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, I sort of ask about compliance because I worked in a, a, a yeah financial services and, and we used to refer to the compliance department as the business prevention unit. Um, yep. <laughs> and it wasn't because we were trying to be outlandish. It was just some of the things, it was just crazy sometimes what you were, you know, what you could and couldn't say. And, you know, it's kind of subjective in a way, but also they're there to obviously protect the business and all the rest of it. And I think that one thing that I've, that I, I saw something from, uh, you know, that, that you guys have written um, recently, it's a, a kind of re- a review on the 1000 true fans. And I thought that summed up nicely the value of content. Yeah, so this, this is based, if you're not familiar with uh, the 1000 true fans concept, this is based on an essay from a chap called Kevin Kelly, uh, I think written about a decade ago, but it, it sort of came back to light in Tim Ferriss's book, The Four Hour Work Week. And essentially, um, what Kevin Kelly was saying in that was you, you can create a nice living for yourself if you can attract a thousand people who are what he termed as fans i don't like the word fans by the way but it's, it's what he termed it as who basically are willing to buy all of your output in a year so not engage with you as a client you know in my financial planning business if you engage with me as a client i'm going to be charging you a minimum of five thousand pounds a year so that's a client and obviously there's a scalability issue around that 
yeah, I can maybe as a, if I was a full-time financial planner, I could maybe look after say a hundred clients at that level, a couple of weeks, but that's really pushing it. And that's with lots of support behind me and people doing my administration and setting appointments, et cetera, et cetera. The fans model, if you have a thousand of them, and they are they're part of your tribe to use the other terminology that i think seth godin came mm. up with so these individuals like what you do they respect you they consume a lot of your output but when you have something to offer for them and this is going back to gary vaynerchuk again i'm going to throw all these marketing gurus in here then but you, know, you, you give them all this free stuff it's the jab 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 and then you write your book or you produce your online course or you have a live event and your thousand true fans are the ones that buy that. Now, what I'm seeing within the financial services sector is a bit of a shift away from working with a limited small number of clients to building platforms and personal brands and tribes and groups, and then producing non-regulated uh, output products, services that they can buy. So very often that's based around a podcast, a Facebook group, an online membership group. And then these people are writing books, they're producing online courses, they're holding live events. And it's transformational because all of a sudden they're not constrained to working with a relatively small group of clients. They can have an audience of a thousand true fans that's their baseline income and they can make say a hundred thousand pounds a year from that audience. But that's entirely scalable. You know, you, you're doing just as much work working with a thousand true fans as you are working with a million fans and the revenue numbers are scalable from there. So it was, it was really an observation. It had been ticking away in the back of my head for quite a while, observing what others I'm seeing in the financial services sector have been doing around their podcasts and their audiences and their tribes, et cetera. And just really predicting that in the future, I think that's going to be a very appealing model for lots of people that currently work one-to-one with clients are going to be moving into this model where they work one-to-many with fans instead of clients. Yeah, and I think maybe that's that's a an almost a nice way to summarize because you've, you've touched on that whole um, start with the end of mind when it comes to the strategy. And if somebody is sitting here listening to this and thinking, well, you know, creating all the content and, you know, I'm still a little bit hesitant about that. I've got lots of client work and all the rest of it. Maybe if you look at it in a different way and, in, in, you know, through the lens of what you've just described there and think the purpose of this content is to add value, to show expertise, but also to start sowing the seeds of my thousand true fans, because with the end in mind, I have that as somewhere where I can get to, where I can potentially, you know, move myself out into a different way of, of working with people, helping more people because we're service providers. There's only a limited number of people we can help one-on-one with our time. We've all got the same number of hours in our day. And yeah, I, I just found it a really interesting read and, and, and um, the way that it sort of reframed that article. And again, it's a great example of what you do. And you said, you know, sometimes you can go back to past blog clothes. That was written a while ago. And it's as relevant today as, as it ever has been. It is just take it from a different angle. As I say, things yeah, things like that that sort of stew away in the back of your brain for a while. And then you you for any reason, I mean that writing that this week was prompted by a conversation on Twitter last week around somebody that wanted to start a record label but wanted to do it for real music rather than commercialized poppy music. And we were talking about how that was maybe not commercially yeah, viable and how nobody would fund it. But then coming back to this thousand true fans model and that reminded me to yeah, revisit it, reread the essay and then think about you know, how does this apply within my space today? 
um, and, and you know how can we use that as a, a way as a platform really to have these conversations about you know what you're building for the future I'm working with one client at the moment that's got this very much at the front of his mind so he's currently coaching clients it's very intensive work very rewarding work but within the next year, he wants to launch a number of online courses. He wants to launch a membership program. So all of a sudden, his time isn't spent traveling between places, coaching and doing workshops. It's spent once or twice a month in his office, recording some video content, working out some worksheets, answering questions from his community. And rather than dealing with a dozen clients on that basis, he can deal with a million. Um, and it's scalable, which is what it's all about. Yeah, and um, that is very much along the way of... of how how a lot of things are going and 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 i've had people on this podcast that talk about it that you know have have ways of of actually how you physically go about sort of making that shift and that transition it's it's certainly you know with with everything as 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 it is and and the technology that's available it's it's a such a the the times that we're living in is is it's just full of opportunity Yep. And anyone that is sort of saying, well, I can't, I can't think of something to do or I, you know, I, I, it's too hard or anything. Yes, it's hard. But once you actually sort of focus and you, you, you take a look around and you can see there's opportunity everywhere, it's just about applying what you know and just doing it a bit differently. I, I think there's so many opportunities. Yeah, I agree entirely. Yeah. So Martin, that's been a, a fascinating conversation. And what I'd really like to do is, is sort of offer people away where they can find out more whether they're uh, someone needing help with their financial services marketing or memberships uh, side of things or if they need financial advice um, where would they sure, go yeah. to find out about uh, martin bamford and uh, what he does so uh, the agency website is bamfordmedia.co.uk and the financial planning website is icfp so informed choice financial planning.co.uk um, best place to connect with me is on twitter i think i more or less live on twitter in Bamford, uh, you'll find me across you know, a range of social media platforms as you might imagine uh, I'd love to hear from people and love to answer any questions and you know, have these conversations yeah so I definitely suggest going and, and checking out what Martin does and you know if nothing else just to check out his massively impressive beard and you know I've got such beard envy <laughs> I, I have a baby face and struggle so um, check that out over there so um, Martin thank you very very much for coming on and um, happy fishing thanks Adam If you've enjoyed today's episode, please help spread the word by telling a friend or simply subscribing and leaving an honest rating and review. It not only helps the show, but it also helps other business owners find the podcast so they too can start to catch more clients. So thanks for listening and see you next time.